Well, this is Richard C. Wilson with the Family Office Club, and today we're doing an investor mandate interview. We have with us today, Tiho. Welcome, Tiho. Hello, Richard. How are you? Great. How about yourself? Also very good. Thank you for asking. Great. So I know you're a private investor. What do you actually invest in and spend your energy and time into allocating to? Yeah, so very, very good question to start off with. Yes, I'm a private investor. I manage my own wealth. I also manage the wealth of my own family, as well as another family, which is a close friend of ours for many, many years. Uh, furthermore, I've also helped other investors from time to time with some opportunities and to allocate some capital as well. Uh, I guess the best way to describe my investment strategy and the way that we do things in the most simple way would be that our portfolio is divided into, let's say, two different parts. First of all, we focus on direct investments, meaning the investments that we do ourselves. These can be either public or private, and we can discuss that a little bit later on. And also we focus on co-investments, meaning that we give our capital to professional experts and they have a vision or they have an execution that they want to do. Okay, great. That makes sense. What types of uh, co-investments do you most often pull the trigger on or what type of co-investments in 2020 are you really looking for right now? Well, well, 2020 has been a very interesting year, hasn't it? Um, generally speaking, when we are looking at investments, co-investments, asset classes, I usually divide it into three different things that we focus on. Uh, basically, first and foremost, we, we do stock index funds and ETFs. We mainly focus on regions, sectors in North America and Asia Pacific. I guess these have been the, the strongest regions of the world economically. Europe has been lagging behind for several years now, if not a decade or more. In particular, we like to invest in small caps as history shows that they tend to outperform. They have a premium over large caps. Um, so that's the public side. We don't really do a lot of stock picking or anything like that. And we don't allocate to fund managers and we have considered hedge funds before, but not really our cup of tea, let's say. Uh, the, the biggest focus of mine is real estate. And I usually allocate um, uh, to real estate in a single syndication deals as opposed to pools of capital or funds and so forth. And I would like to divide real estate really into four strategies that I do. So firstly, we like to participate in development projects, which is your growth opportunistic style, which obviously is not for everybody, but for myself being young, I'm interested in wealth creation as opposed to wealth preservation. So this time in my age, uh, it's very important to me to grow my capital. Uh, also distressed equity, and we can discuss that a little bit later on, but distressed equity is not really something that's available uh, all the time. But when you do have a downturn, as we are having in 2020, as you asked, with COVID-19, um, there are potentially some uh, distressed equity opportunities out there. And it's about finding them, about do, doing quick do, due diligence on them, because as you know, when there's a big discount, they disappear like that. Um, we also, thirdly, in real estate, we like to focus on US multifamily syndications, um, but that asset class is a little bit hot. There's a lot of capital chasing too few good assets there. And then finally, which is a bread and butter of ours, because this has been a family business of ours for over two decades in Australia, we focus, fourth of all, on luxury rehab renovations in prime locations. We either do a rehab or a total development. Um, so that's real estate and stocks. From time to time, we've also invested in alternatives, but that's quite rare. These are usually opportunities outside of stocks and real estate, as I said, that don't have correlations to those two key asset classes. And one of the um, investments we've been doing in 2020 
has been Australian Agriculture Fund, which specializes in pastoral and poultry farms. So basically you have this uh, growing macro theme, I guess, over the next 20, 30 years with potential shortage of food, rise of the middle class in the, in the whole of Asia, and Australia is right at the doorstep of supplying that. Uh, we have very good products, in particular Australian beef is very well known. So we are focusing, that's kind of like a half private equity because these are cash flowing businesses. And then half, it's a diversification thing where you've got agricultural theme, you've got non-correlated asset, and you've got an inflation hedge. So those are the three ways that we invest really. Okay, great. Yeah, no, that's super helpful. I appreciate that. And uh, I'm happy to keep you in mind for things we see coming through the Family Office Club. So what would be the number one piece of advice you have for someone that you wish you knew 10 years ago uh, when it comes to either sourcing deals, structuring deals, how you invest, et cetera? That's a great question. So basically I have a Twitter handle that's a little bit popular in finance and I always write advice on there. Every day I write some kind of advice that's either passed to me by my mentors or that I've learned through mistakes. So getting down to number one piece of advice, maybe I can do top two. The first one I would say basically would be to invest only in great deals. Otherwise, just don't invest. Just be patient and wait. Um, a person that I followed a lot and learned a lot from is Sam Zell, who's obviously a famous real estate investor. And he once said, um, I remember the quote on CNBC in particular, he said, people in real estate always ask me, hey, Sam, um, what markets are you buying today? And Sam always replies, we don't ever buy a market. We buy a deal. So I think we can talk about hours about what makes a great deal or a fantastic opportunity. But I think in a nutshell, I think investors have to look at hundreds of opportunities to understand what's going on. And I think you mentioned this many times uh, yourself, Richard, because basically, you know, you have to come to an understanding over hundreds of deals that you look at that you say to yourself, hey, this looks interesting. This is actually an anomaly of a deal relative to everything else that I looked at in real estate or in the stock market. And this could actually work. This, this could actually be a, a potential for me to allocate my money because of, after all, a lot of high net worth individuals and family offices earn their wealth in a difficult, hardworking way. And when you go and risk it, you want to make sure you're risking it in those anomaly deals. Um, right. you know, generally speaking, great deals also tend to have fantastic risk to reward, I think, which is very important. And for us in particular, for me, the way that I invest, even though I'm a growth investor, as I said before, I'm still not going to go, you know, shooting around like a cowboy and trying to get any deal with the biggest upside. The way that I think about it for me, especially in real estate, we're focusing on deals with meaningful margin of safety. So we have that downside buffer. And I always say to myself, my, my parents and so forth, when I'm investing, if we take care of the downside, if we can withstand a downturn, and we've done that very well so far in coronavirus, then regardless of whether the upturn, uh, upside is small or large, it'll take care of itself. If we can take care of right. downside, the upside will take care of itself. Um, right. So that would be the first piece of advice. The second one would be, as I've learned from my mentors and so forth, is to be a contrarian. So I think it's a very easy topic to discuss. We can all talk about it, but it's extremely difficult one to execute because it goes against our human nature. So. Right. I guess the way that I would say is we are not wired that way. You're basically required to go against the herd. Like right now, for example, there is a huge amount of capital going into tech and healthcare. And even though the fundamentals make sense, people are paying higher and higher valuations, which to me means that future potential expected returns will be lower and lower eventually. So yeah. 
you know, right. that's basically going against your natural instinct. You have to buy when, when others are panicking and, it, and it's not very comfortable to do so. And you have to be selling when there's really good times out there and the sector or the asset makes complete sense to hold. But that's the perfect time to sell because that's when you're going to get the highest valuation for it. And I think yeah. there are many ways to be a successful investor. One doesn't have to be a contrarian, but I think in essence, uh, investing basically is buying low, selling high. And by default, right. if something is cheap, especially in real estate, if something is a value proposition to us or it has a discount or it's in distress, that means there's something wrong with it. And that, therefore, there, there's always plenty of reasons not to do it. So to be a contrarian, or as I mentioned, Sam Zell before, an opportunist who can buy, you know, uh, he famously sold his real estate company in 2007 and bought it back in 2009 for pennies on the dollar. So that's, that's a fantastic thing to, to be able to say, but very difficult to execute. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And we, um, you know, a good example of not buying a market. We've been chasing a piece of intellectual property for 12 years since 2008. And it's been valued at 1.2 million the whole time. But during the pandemic now it's come down to a half million. So we're trying to close wow. on that on Tuesday, but we're not buying all the whole market of intellectual property is this one type of property that we can make strategic use of that we see the upside and we have very low downside on. So um, I totally agree with that. It's, it's about the deal, not saying, oh yeah, well, we're, we're buying grocery stores and people say, oh, well, aren't grocery stores in trouble? It's like, well, it's not about that we're buying the whole market. You know, it's not a macro bet. You're not buying the whole stock market ETF of grocery stores. Yeah. So, you know, it's totally different than a stock market ETF index type mentality. It's almost the opposite of that, right? So, I mean, majority of the wealth that I've created so far, and I'm very young and I've got a long way to go, but it has been through looking at those specific deals when I thought to myself, even if I screw this up, even if something goes wrong, even if a recession worse than the GFC occurs, um, I should be able to break even. And I just think to myself, what, what a fantastic deal. Because if none of those, right. um, let's say, uh, risk tails occur, those really bad case scenarios, then there is so much profit there to be made. And uh, I'm not one of those investors. Being a contrarian also obviously means that markets rarely have downturns. I mean, this is the first major downturn since 2008. Maybe in Europe, we've had a few in between uh, because of the Eurozone crisis and so forth. But generally speaking, it's very rare for markets to go down. So real estate or stocks or, or something else. And so then you're sitting around patiently waiting. And I don't mind being in cash for, for some of the time. I don't have to always chase and always perform and, and I'm like a fund manager. But then when that sweet spot comes and it falls into your target, wow, it, it's fantastic. Oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense for sure. Totally agree. Well, um, I know we're trying to keep these interviews to five minutes and we've kept you here for 15. So I think this was a good, good interview here. I'll have to have you back on a uh, discussion panel, maybe sometime in uh, July or August uh, and join us on one of the private investor discussion panels we have each week. Uh, but I appreciate your time here today. And if anyone would like to get a hold of you, um, they can just reach out through our membership and we'll help get you guys connected to share deal flow or ideas or research on something. I think you two could, uh, connect on perhaps. And uh, thank you again for your time. Pleasure, Richard. Thank you. Bye. Take care, Tim. Bye.